Hey church, welcome to the midweek. I am here with Pastor Ross and Pastor Daniel, and we're tackling a challenging topic that is one that's on our uh, forefront of many of our minds um, on and off uh, this season with riots in many cities across the nation. And statistically speaking, and in very much all likelihood, we're going to see more of them. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we want to think as, as Christians, we want to think not how does CNN or Fox or some our favorite pundit, how, how do they think about the rights, but how should we think about the rights as the people of God, That's as right. those whose final authority is the word of God and the final person we look to for approval is God. Mm -hmm. um, and so as Christians and as your pastors, we want to think through as we've been trying to wrestle with the scriptures and wrestle with the data and listen carefully, how do we think through the riots? Mm -hmm. And so what we're not going to do is talk about all the different stats and the injustices or the, the debate about the different um, issues that people are um, hurting over. Uh, we do want to acknowledge that deeply, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But we want to talk about more of the Christian's posture, how we respond to these riots so we want to start off by playing a pretty well-known clip from Martin Luther King Jr. Um, back in the 60s. Um, and it's one that is often quoted. He has this line that talks about the uh, riot is a language of the unheard. Now, he says it several other times, uh, but this is one of the clips. And we're going to just play it for you right here live. And then we're going to just kind of talk about some of the points that he makes. Because this is something that we've all heard a number of times as a justification for the riots. And so we want to talk about what did King actually say, go back to the source and then break it down a little bit. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. In the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Wow. Powerful stuff. What are your uh, thoughts, brothers, as you hear that, that you want to share? Yeah, I, I think this is really important to, to hear the whole context uh, of this, you know, this statement, because it is uh, used broadly uh, as a justification for the riots. And I think sometimes we read this and those who would want to protest for, for good reasons, uh, seeing brutality, police brutality, uh, you know, there is, uh, 
yeah, there's there's confusion. How do we feel? How are we, how are we supposed to feel about what is happening? The protests, the and and more more particularly the riots. How are we supposed to feel? Are we able to condemn them while at the same time feeling horribly about you know what blacks experienced? Uh, you know that's that's the tension I think we live in, and, and something we should talk about a little bit more. Can can both of those things exist at the same time? We're, sure. we're we're really presented with this idea that they can't exist at the same time, like a, a yep. pain over what blacks feel in this nation, and and a, a real condemning of the riots. And so Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, more if you listen to the, the full speech, he does condemn riots. Like mm. he he has a lot to say about riots, how they are unhelpful to society, and he's he was all about peaceful protests mm-hmm. yeah um and you know right now in this this nation there there have been a lot of pre- peaceful protests more than more than there have been riots and and uh i think i would want to just say and i think all of us together we're we're fine with protests we for things that you'd want to protest that you think are yeah. are valuable we don't have a problem with that but and, and ross made this comment as we prepped for this no one really has a problem with that right that's right. Yeah, yeah, I either mean, side of the either side, uh, unless it, it bothers people, right? Yeah. Like the protesting when Philando Castile was killed. Um, I remember when they were protesting in the highway. What was the reoccurring thing almost everyone said? Who, who were against it? Hmm. The people trying to drive. Um, <laughs> what? What was the recurring statement they said? I can't remember. Oh, people just said there's a better way to do it. Mm, There's okay. a better way to do it. They shouldn't do it that way. Yeah. Right. Sure. So there. So in one sense, we we do. I think every every all sides of the aisle, uh, both sides of the aisle. I mean, uh, affirm the the God given like right to protest, yeah. and they affirm it. But then certain um, people will will say, well, there are limitations. Yeah. Um, you can't protest in a way where you destroy stuff or you interrupt people. Yeah. And that's where there's a little more debate, but we're not getting into that right now, right. are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech is very helpful. Um, I think it's been unhelpful how that one line, yeah. rioting is the violence of the unheard, That's has right. been taken out and just applied to the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I'm not an expert on Martin Luther King Jr., but from what I know of him, I wonder if he would take exception about the way he's being quoted mm-hmm. in response to these riots. Because my understanding from history growing up, from movies I've seen, is that peaceful protesting was the center of his methodology. Yep. And whether it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. people who are advocating violent protesting are using him mm-hmm. as a justification for their violent protesting, yeah. where he actually advocated for the opposite. Right. And so that seems a little disingenuous to me. And, exactly. And I think yeah. he would not, not necessarily like or appreciate it, being quoted yep. in that way. It's just not a fair quote. Yeah, the same principles that we have when we approach the Bible study, we can do to any historical document or speech. And so you look at the context, you look at the person who the author is, the audience, right? All these things we do in the Bible, do it in that situation, right? And you look at the person, he was a student of, of, of Jesus's nonviolent teaching. He was, he followed Gandhi's teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going through his book on um, uh, his, his like definitive biography. And it's, it's utterly clear that he would not support it. But what he's doing is he's explaining, yeah. but he's not justifying. That's right. Yeah, he, he obviously believes that conditions in that time conditions did exist that were suppressing hurting mm-hmm. black community big time 
And so he was saying, he did say, we must condemn these things just as vigorously as, as we condemn riots. And he's saying, when he, when he makes that statement about riots being the language of the unheard, he's saying, yes, America has, has failed to hear yep. and see that these problems have not been uh, eradicated. And, and there's still, uh, there's still, he says, large segments, quote, of white society that are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's saying, you know, th- there's a reason people are riot- rioting right now. And he, and I, I like the, the end of this. He says, social justice, quote, social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. So I have an issue with that. Yeah, tell, let's hear it. Yeah, I, I think it helps for sure, right? Yeah. Like poverty and suffering exasperates human condition yeah but does not cause human condition like it doesn't cause certain behaviors Mm -hmm. right we've we teach that all the time fruit to root right what's in the root will come out in the fruit and no one can make you sin that's right right and one of the challenges of his statement if i want to just pick it apart but i i know more enough about mlk that I, i i think we would have we we have different understandings of soteriology and sanctification um but he he is basically saying the same arguments of the defund the police uh, movement. And it, essentially, if you create the right environments, then people won't respond in these sinful or wrong ways. Mm-hmm. And, and in one sense, it's true. You, you go to certain areas where there's less um, uh, poverty and issues. You're going to see certain less occurrences of certain crimes. Yeah. But you still see crimes. Yes. You'll see families with intact families, and you'll still see wickedness come out. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it, it does help. But this whole idea of if you just give the person the right um, education, if they know enough, if they have enough in their belly, if they have the, uh, enough good enough neighborhood and enough amenities and mental health workers, th- then therefore you're not going to have violent crime or that's things. Right. And that's just – when we read our Bibles, that's not true. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not true. And it won't be true until Jesus comes. Amen. There were particular things that Martin Luther King Jr. were after. He was after particular uh, changes in government right. legislation that were necessary. Yes. Uh, but but the thing that we get into today, we, we can't get into today fully, is if we agree with the same, uh, you know, what people are concluding needs to be done. Right. Right now, whether with defunding the police or with reparations mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you know, the different ideas. That, right. But but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to say something else to that, Ross. But um, the thing that I just want to say one one more point here that that we want to focus on more today is we, we don't want our first response. And I think this is the tension Christians feel uh, all that I think I, I feel right, right from the beginning of all this. We don't want to be those who are clinging to our belongings first and 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 fail to yep. weep with those who are weeping. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's that's one of the things, one of the biggest problems, you know, in in that day is that a lot were sounding the you know the horn that there's there's a serious issue and and rather than saying you're right, there is a serious issue. We need to talk. We need to think. We need to weep. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a genuine um, sort of like hoarding or like, mm-hmm. oh, no, what we had, 
is is being lost. You yeah, know? and there was, and then the, there was one step away from that is the moderate Christian, whom in the letter to the Birmingham jail from the Birmingham jail, MLK writes and said, "You moderates, you know, like basically calling them out as you are some of the worst issues. Uh, you're one of the biggest um, uh, problems is because you just keep saying, wait, 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 yeah, not like this, not this way." And he said, you're, you're, you're exasperating the situation. When? It's easy to say wait when you're not suffering. Sure. And, um, and so he talks about like this fierce urgency of now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's, a, that's something that is worth considering um, mm-hmm. if we're doing the same thing. That's good. Yeah, that is, that is worth considering. There, there may be a way we're doing the same thing. But one other exception I have with that quote being used is the idea that the response today in 2020 mm-hmm. is no different from the response in 1960. Yeah. Sure. And I think it's just patently false that our country hasn't made any progress. Yeah. Are we there yet? No. Yeah. But is it different? Yes. Yeah. And the idea that people are not paying attention to suffering of minority people in this country, I just don't think that can be sustained. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know almost no one of any ethnicity who's indifferent to suffering of minority people and people of color in our country. Uh Like the people I know are very few and none of them are even go to church. Like within the church, every single person I know who goes to church would admit that we have an issue in this country. In addition, our institutions in this country, colleges, the media, major corporations, all would continuously talk about these issues in work setting, education settings, media settings, it's in sports settings now. Right. So is the problem solved? No. But is the problem talked about? Yes. And so I don't, I, I have trouble acknowledging that at this point with the way things are that we could say that we're truly not hearing. Well, I agree with you and I disagree with you. Sure. Yeah. I agree with you in the sense that it is offensive and uh, absolute um, disgrace when people make it sound like what we have now is just as bad as when it was then. Yes. Right. It's so shameful to John Perkins and, and to MLK and to other people who fought. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to say that as a 20-something-year-old who you're suffering and you look at in, in a very limited way, myopic way, look at the grand scheme of the suffering of our nation and say, oh, our suffering is just as bad as theirs. Yes. So childish and so offensive to those who literally got their heads bloodied because of, of what they fought for. Yes. And and by every metric, this, the the plight and the this um, the state for the black community is better now than is then when it comes to um, legislation. Sure. Um, the the family has has broken down and since cultural the 60s, attitudes. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Towards towards people of color. Yes. Yes. Now, so that's where I would totally be with you. I think it, it, there's such a breakdown and hence why we want to do good exegesis of anything, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. does it apply exactly the same way? We have different contexts. Where I would say I disagree is that although the the media uh, is very much progressive mm-hmm. and, and is usually more far left than the country is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just even this new thing with the Oscars, um, the, new, the next Oscar for Best Picture has to be um, diverse, mm-hmm. sure. like they have these new gu- guidelines. So when you hear that, you're like, "See, it is being talked about." But there's large swaths of the country. Of, we're talking over 100 million people who literally say there's not a problem. What are you guys saying? There's no problem. Now they would say that. They, you hear Mount Fox. You even hear like a Candace Owens saying, "There is no problem. Look at the stats. There's nothing. Nothing." 
right? And they don't even say, well, there is problems in this way. They just speak in very sweeping terms. Nothing. There's no problem. And that's where I think there's that a lot of people are lost. They sure. can't even say black people are suffering. They can't even say that they have a higher rates of profiling or all these different things that doesn't always show up in the data. They can't even sympathize or empathize there. They just simply just say there's no problem. What do they do? I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think it's 100 million. But I agree with you that there's a large group that would say that. Yeah. They I would, yeah. I'm defining things differently. I'm saying 100 million just because what half the country is about 180 million. Yeah. So 100 million. I I think those who who live and die by just Fox News, most of them would say that there's no issue at all in our country. There's no we don't have race. There are some racists. I'm not one of them certainly, but there's there's not a race issue. I can't tell you what the number is. Sure. But what I can tell you is where the culture is going and where the culture is at. Sure. Is on the side of sympathizing and talking about these issues, not against it. It's true. And so to say no one's listening is not accurate. But there's still, there's still uh, the question, you know, are are more blacks dying in a in a in a brutal way? And that's that's kind of the, where there's a big disagreement, right? Like the police. Well, there there isn't actually disagreement of that. Okay. The data shows that they're not. But there are other things that are not showed up in the data that are harder to quantify, that that is being conflated into it. But that's a, another conversation. Yeah, we can't. It seems like we can't go there right right now. There's so much <laughs> because there's so much detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so what then do we say like to the riots? How do we respond? Yeah, yeah. Going back to know, the main point. Back to the main point. What is what is the tension that Christians are to live in? How do we? Um, yeah. You know, how how do we feel uh, broken over what our our black brothers and sisters are feeling? I, I like MLK saying vigorously condemn both. Mm. Vigorously condemn both. Vigorously condemn the fruits and the roots. Mm. Um, enter into the pain, and yet don't make the false dichotomy of saying if you enter into the pain, you cannot recognize when something's wrong. Yeah. You have to be able to say, "Hey, you burning that." low-income housing building that was right off Lake that was actually going to help many in the community, mm-hmm. or at least was meant to help them in the community, and that's now burned down, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And yet, I can understand why some people were such in a rage mm-hmm. that they just burned down. Because when you are traumatized and when you're angry, you do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. You yeah. can enter in that and say both, and people seem to feel like they have to pick one. And if they say one, then they're immediately typecasted or pigeonholed into a certain political ideology. Yeah. And they're afraid of getting killed by their friends, you know, like crushed by their friends on social media. You know, you have to pick one or the other. And, and be the Christians who have courageously be be complicated and biblical enough to where people don't know how to pin you down. Sure. Like they're confused by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. And just to add to that, um, my disposition my inclination is this to start with the rights are wrong yeah so it'd probably be healthy for me to start with the other side mm, that's um good. one uh message i heard at bethlehem by pastor mike tong or sorry minjing tong was um on weep with those who weep yeah i think that was the entire text and um whatever your judgment of the riots are you must as you should, as a Christian, <laughs> grow to feel sympathy yeah. and sadness for the pain that black people experience in our country. Yeah. It's harder in a lot of ways to be black than white, generally speaking, in this mm-hmm. country. There are black people who 
are more successful than me and have easier lives than me. Yeah. But generally speaking, that's just not the case. Right. And whatever the reasons are, that's you don't start there. Mm-hmm. Whatever the effects of it are, you don't start there. The Bible commands us that when someone, especially a brother and sister in Christ, especially in your same congregation, is having a certain experience, that before you address the problem, you feel their pain. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's just something I have been challenged to grow in lately. That is, um, there's a really helpful article on Gospel Coalition called George Floyd and Me by Shai Lin, who's an artist that I enjoy, mm-hmm. that helped, I think, open my eyes in a lot of ways. Yeah, And so um, I would just challenge myself and all of us listeners to acknowledge that there is black suffering in America and we who are not black have an uh, call to sympathize and weep with those who weep. Yeah. So we, we can do both. We can condemn the riots and also acknowledge and feel the pain and, and pray for, uh, for God to, to bring peace and, uh, Help the hearts who are hurting. There's a lot of hurting. There's a lot of pain. Um, I, I, I like the way you led from that humble stance, Ross, and I think that's important for us to know our personal bents. Mm-hmm. We'll have one side. If you're bent towards just feeling it and experiencing it, but you can't stomach the thought of saying anything negative about the rioters, then you need to, to try to check yourself and see if you're biblically being outraged equally at the right things, right? We all mm-hmm. have certain cultural baggage and yeah. certain experiences that cause us to be more sensitive to other issues, mm-hmm. right? So for instance, I have an issue. I have a history where I feel more sensitive um, and more susceptible towards lust. But I don't have as much of a history towards violence. So I can see something gruesome and even enjoy it. And that is abhorrent to the Lord. But because I don't have that history, I feel like I get a pass, like my conscience hasn't been calibrated there to where I feel like it's okay. Or like when I used to pirate films or, or music, I just didn't think it was a big deal, mm-hmm. even though it's still sinful, right? We have all areas that we feel softer towards and you need to check yourself and know like where you're, so if you feel very, if you have a very strong bent towards like property, property and liberty and certain kind of Republican values and you can you struggle with meeting people where they're at in pain, in their pain you want to dismiss it because you're so caught up in the building or the business, then you need to check yourself and really kind of do what Ross is doing. And on the other hand, if you're on the other side of things, you want to check yourself and make sure, hey, are you, are you being upset at the things that God's also upset at? Because mm-hmm. he's not, he's, he's complicated. His personality is complicated work because he can be hurt and angry and sad and happy all at the same time, right? And we want to meet him there where he, he can see the destructive um, uh, explanations of why it's why people are responding the way. And he also can see the destruction and be upset at that. Mm-hmm. And we want to be like him and feel both. That's right. And it's hard. That's why people don't like doing it, doing both, right? We have to choose one because we don't like that emotional tension. That's right. Yeah. Um, I would also like to comment on the other side, on the, the rioting side. So as we've been alluding to, there is a false dichotomy. Either you care about buildings or people and you have to pick. Yeah. And I think that's a false dilemma that we're being forced into mm-hmm. where um, somehow buildings and the well-being of people are not connected where they are. Yeah, that's right. Buildings cost lifetimes of labor to put up mm-hmm. and to run mm-hmm. and to operate and maintain. Mm-hmm. 
and they provide shelter and economic opportunity mm -hmm. and different supplies for living. Mm -hmm. And the idea that destroying a building will necessarily lead to political change, even if that were true, would still be problematic because the argument is the ends justify the means. That's right. That's right. And I don't think we, that's a dangerous line of thinking that has justified a lot of atrocities in the past in, in, in human history. Yeah. And we don't want to get caught there. You're going to feel social pressure. I feel social pressure not to talk negatively about riots. Mm -hmm. There's this story, um, the Philadelphia Inquirer, a 129-year-old newspaper. One of their editors posted a headline. He's not, he's not right-wing. He's not Christian. He, maybe, I don't know his religious beliefs, but this is just a mainstream newspaper. Buildings matter, too. And he was dismissed after a 20-year career. Had to step down after say, just say, suggesting that buildings are connected to people and that and that there's worth there and the article underneath it i thought was very illuminating and helped put into words something i think is really important for us to when we're thinking about this situation the headline says damaging buildings disproportionately hurts the people protesters are trying to uplift yeah so part of the issue with the riots and the burning and the looting is that the people who are suffering the most from the consequences of it yeah. are the poorest, are people of color. Yeah. In my neighborhood, you are less likely to have a car to be able to drive somewhere else and shop for groceries if you are poor. You are less likely to have more alternatives. You're more likely to be dependent on public transportation to mm -hmm. get to places. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to work in the stores, even own the stores that were torn down and destroyed. And so there's a gigantic lapse in logic when you say you have to pick between buildings and people because people build buildings. People live in buildings. People mm -hmm. profit from buildings. I think it's important to point out that one of the buildings burned down in South Minneapolis was a $70 million low-income housing project that was about to open up. Who was going to live in that thing? Mm -hmm. Who was going to live in that thing? Mm -hmm. And so... Like I said, I just really want to push into that false dichotomy and not for anyone to leave listening as feeling like I have to pick. I have mm -hmm. to pick a side because there is no side between buildings and people. Um, it's, not, it's, it's not putting the distinction. It's not putting the, the boundary in the right place. Mm -hmm. The stats are showing that there's like 93% of the protests have been peaceful it's a little tricky because I think some people push back on that data saying because some people, statisticians aren't including uh, arson as, as uh, they're including arson as part of peaceful. So I, I need to read into that a little bit more. Um, but don't quote me on that. I, I did read some pushback on that and I didn't have time to chase down. Um, and that's a hard thing. I just can't trust almost anything I read. You have to chase things down and look at all the different sources. And the follow people, what do you mean? Trust them. <laughs> just kidding, brother. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know this is being recorded, right? Okay. Yeah, don't trust Fox News nor CNN. Um, trust the Lord and uh, look at sources. Um, yeah, people literally will say uh, a conclusion, and then you look at the source, and it says the opposite. I, I just I can't trust things anymore. Um, but one thing uh, I wanted to include was the fact that um, that there um, there are people who are have nothing to do with the situation, or they're just profiting, and they're they're um, they're opportunistic. So there's like videos on Twitter, tons of them, 
where people are pulling up with all these cars and they're just loading them up with electronics. Like they're just, they're just clever. They're just being shrewd. I mean, they're evil, but they're being shrewd. And so we, we want to distinguish between people who are doing that because they would do that anyway. And this mm-hmm. is a great opportunity when the police are busy or they're doing it because they're deeply grieved and hurting. There are some people who don't care. They're just doing it because they want to make, they're trying to make money. They're trying mm-hmm. to get things they want. So that's one thing to, to clarify. The other thing is just in all these things, church, we are getting news at the speed of the smartphone and we cannot keep up with it. And there is no perfect news organization that perfectly covers everything well, perfectly researches, even when they mean well, investigates everything. Don't feel the pressure that culture is putting on us that you have to have an an opinion and have to say something immediately after every single situation. We just cannot keep up. Um, There's so many things I can't keep up. The other day, there was two different uh, videos released, um, body cam videos about two different situations. And I just, I just didn't have time to read into it. Mm. And 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 that's okay. Like I still haven't spoken about Jake and black on social media or other situations like that. Breonna Taylor, because I just haven't done the due diligence and it's not easy to do it. And if you think it's easy to know the facts, then you're just probably parroting just one side and just picking their conclusions. Do the hard work or don't say anything. You can have an opinion, but don't feel confident in your opinion or feel, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, confident in your opinion and shout it from the rooftops if you haven't done the work. And I think that's just really important because there's a lot of misinformation that gets thrown around and people feel the pressure to passionately say something and choose, choose this day which side you will be on. Mm -hmm. And we have to resist that and do hard work and slow down and look at things carefully, compassionately, wisely, gently, patiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. There's a lot more church about this, but I think this is just one more episode just to put on the tool belt, just to think through as we're, we're not just in the middle of it. We're in the beginning of this, of these, some of these realities. And so we want to um, think about how to respond Christianly and in a way that would honor God. So mm-hmm. hopefully this was helpful church. As always, you're welcome to talk to us offline more about some of these things. I know that with almost every statement we said, people would be like, wait, what did you mean by that? Can you talk to, mm-hmm. talk more? And mm-hmm. we're here for you. And this mm-hmm. is just one tool to serve you. And we can also talk more further. So yes. thanks for tuning in.